Well, this past Sunday, I shared our word of the year. If you were not here last Sunday, our word or our direction for 2020 is the word inspire. Say inspire. Inspire. Say it with inspiration. All right. Amen. Hey, some synonyms of this word inspire are encourage, enthuse, and motivate. Today, I want to build on last week's message by beginning a series called Pass It On. Pass It On. I want to get some biblical support for this series, so so let's start with uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, we understand that Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, uh, one of what we would call his spiritual sons. Paul was Timothy's mentor. I believe that everyone should be mentored. And I also believe that everyone should become a mentor. So Paul said to his mentee, he said, well, you have learned from me. He said, you teach to others, and then you teach others to in turn teach others. What was it that Paul was saying? Paul was saying, pass it on. Say pass it on. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that God wants us to inspire others. God wants us to live in such a way that other people will desire to duplicate what we have done and who we have become. Let me ask you this morning, has anyone ever inspired you? I don't know, perhaps you are doing what you are doing today partly because of the inspiration of others. I know I am. Did I allow somebody other than God to call me into the ministry? Absolutely not. But the kind of minister and the kind of leader that I am is partially the result of those who are willing to pour into my life. The ministers who were willing to pass it on. I want us to take a look at three things that relate to our subject this morning. First, let's take a look at the model. Look at the model. Is mentoring or passing it on, is it a principle of Scripture? I think it is. So let me suggest three models. The first one is Jesus. Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Jesus, it says that Jesus called the ones that he wanted and they came to him. I think that's pretty interesting right there. He called the ones that he wanted, and they came to him. And then it says, then he appointed 12 that they, say they. Then he appointed 12 that they, they what? That they might be with him. Say with him. Yeah, he, he, called, he called 12 men, and he called them that they might be with him. Him. Now, we understand that Jesus preached to the multitudes, but he poured his life into 12 men. Do you get the difference? He preached to the multitudes, but he poured his life into 12 individual men. 
See, Jesus knew that he would only be on earth for a short season. He knew that the day would come when his season on earth would be over. And so he made the most of his season, and he did that by teaching and training and mentoring 12 men. Jesus passed it on. Another model is Paul. We already read where Paul instructed Timothy to pass on to others what he had passed on to him. There are two ways to learn. The first is through trial and error. Three steps forward and two steps back. The second way of learning is by gleaning from the knowledge of others. See, we all stand on the shoulders of others, or at least we should. And here's what I know this morning. Think about it. Each new generation should excel beyond the last generation. And why is that? It's because each new generation has a better starting place than the past generation. For example, my son, my son Chad, who is 43 years old, who pastors in Burleson, Texas, my son is doing things in his 40s that I didn't do until my 60s. He's 20 years ahead of me in ministry doing in his 40s what took me to my 60s. Why? Well, first of all, he's better than I am. He's more talented. He's more gifted. He's better looking. I don't know about that, but... First of all, he's, 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 he's better than I am. But second, because his starting point was way down the line from mine. I started way back there. He started way over here somewhere. I gave him his first job as youth pastor of the church we were pastoring in in Midland. And he hadn't been there too long. And one day I was standing in his office. We had just built a new building. And in that building, I had three executive, beautiful executive offices. And I was standing in my 19-year-old son's executive office. And I looked around. And I said, son... Do you understand that you have an office that 80, 90% of pastors in America would die to have? That 80% of pastors will never have in their entire ministry? And this is your first. I said, where in the world will you go from here? He said, right over there. And he pointed at my office. And sure enough, five years later, I was out and he was in. He had a lot better starting place. I remember when my office was in a closet, literally. Let's, let's take a peek at a third model or example of passing it on. How about Elijah? 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 15 says, Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, speaking of Elijah, or of, of Elisha, they were speaking of Elisha. Let me read it again. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, Elisha, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. I never really noticed it before, but as I was reading this In preparation of this message again, if you'll read the account of Elijah and Elisha's relationship, it appears that Elisha pursued Elijah. 
It wasn't so much that Elijah poured into Elisha, but rather Elisha pulled out of Elijah. You know, sometimes we need to go after what we see and want in others. That's what Elisha did. I have a relationship that has gone on for years and years and years that I did not pursue. Another pastor sought me out and he never stopped pursuing me and a relationship with me. And just recently, a week or so ago, he told me, as we were talking, he told me, he said that I was one of the three men who had meant the most to him and that he had, heard, he had learned from the most. Honestly, I tried to run him off in the beginning. I did. He was a pest. He was in my hair. He was in my way. I was rude to him. I'm not proud of that, but I was. I tried to run him away. Remember our word for the years, inspire. Let me ask you this morning, has God placed somebody in your life that he wants you to inspire? Someone who seems to show up in your life quite frequently? Maybe you're not even all that excited about the fact that they show up quite frequently. And everywhere you turn, they seem to be there. Perhaps they are there for a purpose. Perhaps, perhaps God has placed them in your life because God wants you to inspire them. God wants you to mentor them. God wants you to teach them and train them and pour into them. Three times, Elijah tried to shake loose of Elisha. Read about it in 2 Kings chapter 2. In verse number 2, Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going over there. And Elisha said, you're going over there, I'm going over there. Verse number 4, Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going over there. And Elisha said to Elijah, you're going over there, I'm going. And again in verse number 6, Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going over there. And Elisha said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. He ain't getting rid of me. And Elisha stayed glued to Elijah. And because of his tenacity, he ended up with a double portion of what Elijah had. Perhaps you are an Elisha and you need to pursue a relationship with an Elijah. Perhaps you are an Elijah and you need to recognize a young Elisha that God has placed in your life. Hear me this morning. If you are an Elijah, you need to pour into an Elisha. And if you are an Elisha, you need to pull out of an Elijah. The title of the series is Pass It On. Pass it on. Don't take the wisdom and the knowledge and the skills that you have gained in life. Do not take them to the grave with you. And don't make those closest to you reinvent the wheel and start all over again from scratch. Pass it on. Pass it on. Allow them to start where you finish. Pass the baton while you are still running at full speed. And hear me, as they receive the baton at full speed, they, with fresh legs and youthful energy, they can take whatever you are handing off to them. They can take it to a whole new level. Don't let it end with you. Pass it on. All right, we built our case, I believe, by talking about the model. Now let's look at the method. 
The method is the how. How will we pass it on? Well, first of all, we're going to pass it on by what we say. By what we say. Philippians 4 and 9, Paul writes to the leadership in the church of Philippi, and he says, he says, the things that you learned and received and heard, say and heard. Paul says to the church of Philippi, the the things that you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Do these things, he said, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul passed it on through what he said. He he passed it on through his preaching. He passed it on through his teaching. He he passed it on through his, his instructing. He passed it on through personal conversation. Listen, listen, we need to be very, very careful about what we say, and especially to those that are looking up to us. And we need to be very intentional about what comes out of our mouth for several reasons. Number one, because there are impressionable people that will follow our lead. And the truth of the matter is they are forming their opinions based much on what we are saying. Number two, because we can help or we can hurt the lives of others by what we say. And third, and not last on the list, Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 36 that we will be held accountable on the day of judgment for every word we ever spoke. Wow. Think about this scripture the next time you're tempted to say something rude or crude or critical or judgmental or mean or the list goes on and on and on. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, he says, Do not allow any unwholesome talk to come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful and for building up others. Notice the second method or the how of passing it on, and that is in what we do. It's not just what we say, but it's also what we do. Philippians 4 and 9 again, Paul writes, he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw. And saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Somebody said it like this, actions speak louder than words. And we must back up what we say with what we do. See, see, I can tell you to pray, and I can tell you to give, and I can tell you to care. But if you don't see me pray, and you don't see me give, and you don't see me care, then what I say will fall on deaf ears. Somebody said things are better caught than taught. But the method isn't just about what we say and what we do. It's also about hands-on training. You don't just pass it on by what you say and what you do, but also by by hands-on training. Jesus had a miracle ministry. But Jesus knew that he wouldn't always be around to continue this miracle ministry, and so he gave his 12 disciples hands-on training. He didn't teach them just by what he said and what he did, but he gave them hands-on training. If we had the time this morning, we would read... Uh, the account of the feeding of the 5,000 hungry families and all-you-can-eat fish-and-chips buffet. 
It's recorded in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. And I know it's very, very familiar, and I know we use it quite often, but if you will pay attention as you read this story, you will see that Jesus included and involved his disciples in every part of the process of this miracle. It began at the very start when the disciples came to Jesus at the end of the day where Jesus had taught the, or taught the multitude all day long. And, you know, Jesus was, you know, he didn't have a timer. I've got a timer up here. Jesus didn't have a timer. And Jesus didn't read the latest, you know, church growth books, you know, because he preached way too long. And Jesus was long-winded, and Jesus taught all day long, and, and the, but he was such a great preacher and such a great teacher that the people would listen and sat on his every word, and he, he taught them all day long, and the day was over, and it was evening time, and, and the disciples came to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, they said, these people are hungry, and they need something to eat. And Jesus said to them, Give them something to eat. Yeah, give them something to eat. Hey, hey, fellas, I'm not always going to be around. You need to learn to do ministry yourselves. And so it is with us. We won't always be around, so we need to pass it on. We need to pour into others what has been poured into us. All right, back to the story of the feeding of the 5,000 hungry families. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, he, said, he said, go through the crowd and gather up all our resources. Go through the crowd and see what you can come up with. Surely in this multitude of people, surely somebody packed a lunch. And so Jesus said, go see what we've got. They went out, disciples went out, hands-on training, went out looking for food, something to work with. And then Jesus said to the disciples, he said, hey, he said, this crowd is, this is overwhelming here. You know, 5,000 families, this is overwhelming. We need, to, we need to divide this crowd into smaller communities. And so they broke them up in groups of 50 and 100. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And then the Bible says that Jesus took what the disciples had gathered up and all it was was a little boy's sack lunch of five little barley loaves and two little bitty fish. But Jesus took what they gave to him and Jesus blessed it and Jesus broke it and Jesus gave it. But who did he give it to? Did Jesus give it to the crowd? No, he gave it to the disciples, hands-on training. And then the disciples went through the crowd dispersing the bread and the fish. See, I believe that just as the bread and the fish multiplied in the hands of Jesus as he gave it to his disciples, so the bread and the fish multiplied as it passed from the hands of the disciples to the hands of the crowd. And hear me this morning, I'm going somewhere. This is what is so great. This is what is so awesome. This is why it is imperative. Oh, oh, this is why it is so great. What is so great about passing it on because pass, uh, passing it on as it is passed on, it grows each time it is passed on. See, my son knows everything I know because I taught him everything I know, but not only does he know everything I know, but he knows everything he knows. 
And he knows everything that people have taught him. And he's had some incredible, unbelievable teachers in his, in his life. Well, this leads us to our third and final point about passing it on. And that is this, the maximizing. The maximizing. Like I said, every time that it is passed on, it grows. It becomes more effective. It's better. Or it should be. It happened with Elijah and Elisha. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9, Elisha said to Elijah, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha looks at Elijah and says, man, not only do I want what you've got, but I want a double portion of what you have. And you know the story Elijah said to Elisha, well, if you see me when I go, you can have it. And then he tried to, you know, tried to ditch him. But because Elisha, oh, because of Elisha and his desire, he saw something in Elijah. He saw something in that man of God. And he said, not only do I want what he has, but I want a double portion of what he has. And that's exactly what happened. And what about Jesus passing it on to his disciples? John 14 and 12, Jesus said to his disciples, now I remind you that these are the words of Jesus, not the words of me. I don't want you to think I'm blaspheming this morning. I am quoting the very words of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Well, in John 14 and 12, Jesus said to these 12 disciples, he said, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And these disciples, they were with Jesus. He watched him as he opened the blinded eye and unstopped the deaf ear and made the cripple to walk. And wow, can you imagine what they must be thinking when Jesus said, hey, fellas, hey, fellas, the things that I do, you will do also. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said in passing it on, he said, and greater works, say greater works, greater works than Jesus. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus said, not only will you do as I pass this on to you, not only can you do what I have done, but Jesus said, greater works than I do than these you will do because I go to my father. We're talking about the maximizing. Why? Why should we pass it on? Because this gives that person the opportunity to begin where we finished. Jesus said, my work on earth is finished. It's finished. I'm about to finish and I'm going to pass this on. But as I pass this on, not only are you going to be able to do what I've done, but greater than what I've done will you do. And the same should be with you and the same should be with me. Things should not go backwards when we leave. Things should not die down and go away when we leave. But they should be greater because, because we are handing off to someone. We are pouring into someone and someone is starting where we're ending. And if we pass it on in full stride and the next runner begins with fresh legs and fresh vision and fresh energy, who can tell how far it can go? But what about Elisha? What about him? What did he do with his double portion? He received a double portion. What did he do with it? Well, I understand. I understand that he doubled the miracles of Elijah. I understand. He did. 
And that's awesome. And that's incredible. But according to 2 Kings chapter 13, he took that double portion to the grave with him. Hello? He took that double portion to the grave with him. He didn't pass it on. In 2 Kings chapter 13, a man who had died was tossed into the tomb of the dead prophet Elisha. And when this corpse touches the dead body of Elisha, the corpse comes back to life. Well, that's shouting ground there, man. And most people make a really, really big deal out of the fact that there was so much anointing on Elisha that even after he died, there was still enough power in his decaying bones to bring somebody back to life. And that in and of itself is pretty awesome. It's pretty incredible. But there's something sad about it. Think about it this way. What if the spirit of Elijah that was passed on to Elisha was then passed on to someone else. Could the double portion be turned into a quadruple portion? Elisha, who was so adamant about Elijah passing on what he had on to him. He saw something in the man of God and he wanted it with all of his heart. And he was so adamant to not only get what Elijah had, but get a double portion of what Elijah had. And yet, he, Elisha, took what he had to the grave with him. He did not pass it on. Our takeaway today is this. What do you want to live on after you're gone? What is it that is so important? What is it in your life? What is it about you that you want to live on after you're gone? Whatever it is. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. Inspire someone. Pour into someone. But let me say this this morning, and I don't really want to say it, but I need to say it. What is it that needs to die? along with you. A bad attitude? A critical spirit? An offense? A prejudice? A destructive tendency? There are some things we do not need to pass on. I don't need you to tell me what they are. I already know. And believe me, some people tell me. 
There are some things about Mike Benson that needs to die and go to the grave with him. There's some things that I hope and I pray I did not pass on. We need to identify the things that are worthy of passing on and we need to pour them in to others. Who in turn will pour them into others? Who in turn will pour them into others? And then there are things that we need to destroy now before they become passed on. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning that has been shared today. It's what's in my heart. It's what's in my spirit, oh God. I pray that you will help them to find a place in the heart of your people today. In Jesus' name.